read a passage for you from the book of Galatians. And I want to talk to you about the realm of revelation. The realm of revelation. And I'm just going to give you some thoughts that you can build on as we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the passage of Scripture, in Galatians, the first chapter, I want to start reading at verse 11. 1 and 11. And it reads this way. By the way, that's page 808. Uh, you knew that already, though. <laughs> this is what it says. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But I tell you, religion can be a murder. <laughs> uh, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now that is the summary of how the Apostle Paul had his confrontation with the living God that changed his life forever. That's the reason we read the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Thessalonians, all Romans, the writings of this great Apostle that God had, had trained and developed to bring him to this moment in his history. And he says some things that are, I think, important for us in these days. Because there's a lot of talk about the prophetic. And there's a lot of talk about receiving revelation and hearing the voice of God. And all of these a little uh, uh, terms that people throw around. And sometimes that's exactly what they do. They throw around and have no understanding of what they're throwing around. And so, you know, it, it just, I don't know, maybe if they put marbles in their mouth and said it, it would sound better. I, I, I don't know. You know, but sometimes I listen to some of what is being said, and I go back to the scriptures, and it reminds me of when I was teaching sixth graders how to read the Greek New Testament. And uh, when I was the dean of the school in Cleveland, uh, one of the things that I had was a Saturday class, and in my Saturday class, I taught sixth graders how to read the Greek New Testament. It was an interesting class. And in order to graduate from the class, you had to be able to open up to the first chapter of the book of John and read the first 20 verses in Greek. And so all these students learned how to recognize and read. And uh, so when, when they graduated, we gave them a Greek New Testament. And it was interesting because they brought it to church which made them dangerous to every preacher that came in to preach there quoting the Greek. You couldn't fool these kids, you know. Many times I would sit with them and somebody would say, well, this is what the Greek says. And one of the kids would turn in his Greek New Testament and he'd nudge me and say, that's not what it says at all, teach. Look here, this is what it really says, you know. Because sometimes, you know, we just assume that somebody said, this is what this says or this is what that says. And we're not really sure because we may not be acquainted with that particular uh, form uh, 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 of the Greek or the Hebrew of what, or whatever. And so we must examine the word for ourselves. Now, I, I believe that one of the things that we have to come to accept which is not difficult to accept, is the fact that there is revelation. The whole Word of God is based upon the fact that there is a God that is revealing Himself. And you notice that if you go back to Genesis, in the beginning, God, it doesn't, say, it doesn't give you the history of God. It just tells you, you know, God, God is there, and this is what God did. It's the same thing you find in John, the first chapter, when he talks about the, the Word becoming flesh. He just assumed, and God was there, and God created. And so we, by revelation, we accept that. We, we come to embrace that. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Moses 
uh, uh, we, we say is the author of Deuteronomy. And when you read in Deuteronomy, one of the passages said, and Moses was the most humble man on all the earth. <laughs> you know, and then we say, well, he wrote Deuteronomy. You know, I said, he really had a good assessment of himself. <laughs> What did it take to get him that humble that he would write? And Moses was the most humble man, you know, on the face of the earth. And there, I think God uh, wants to communicate to us. The difficulty is not whether God wants to communicate with us. The difficulty is when we struggle with God against what he wants to reveal, against what he wants to show us. That was the problem with the Apostle Paul. His struggle with Christ, against Christianity was the fact that he was feeling confrontation with the truth that he had been brought up under. He was a Jew of Jews. He was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, he was trained in the best schools of Tarsus, of Judaism. He was sat at Gamaliel's feet. He was, a, he was a student above students. Now, one of the things that we don't often read about and understand in the tradition of the Jewish economy, they had this tradition that if one man could live perfect for 24 hours, that Messiah would come. That puts a whole new context on why Paul was trying to do what he did. That's why he writes, he says, above, he says I, was, I was above all of my fellows. That's because Paul was trying to be that man. He was trying to be the Pharisee of Pharisees, the, the Judaizer of Judaizers. He said, I, I kept the law. But when he was confronted by the revelation of Jesus Christ, his immediate reaction was anger. Have you ever tried to witness to somebody about the baptism of the Holy Spirit who just doesn't quite believe like you and I believe? What's their immediate reaction? You know, I had one preacher that actually, you know, he said, I said, I shake the dust off my feet, you heathen and unbelief her. And I thought, oh man, he's really bad, you know. He really doesn't want this revelation. And so we, we, we accept the fact that revelation is there. And we must also come to understand why some people don't immediately embrace the revelation that we're trying to communicate. Why sometimes it's difficult for the people that we preach to to come into an understanding of what we're trying to communicate. The reason for that is because people, individuals, are struggling against the truth that's being presented to them because they have had another level of truth presented to them. And so it's hard, for instance, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, it's hard to come from the Roman Catholic Church and come into the Protestant Church and say, whoa, look at the nutcases. <laughs> They're noisy. <laughs> that was my first reaction. They're noisy. And of course my first my first encounter with, with Protestants was with Pentecostal Protestants at that, you know, and so, and then I learned about, you know, Episcopal Protestants and Methodist Protestants, and I, I got all the flavors, believe me. When you travel for Teen Challenge, you go to every group, every dinner, Brethren, Mennonite, I mean, you go, you go to Jehovah Witness, Seven Day, I went to all of them. I, well, I preached in every one of the churches that were round, square, blue, green, orange, you know, every kind of uh, stuff you could imagine, and you hear all this kinds of stuff in the Lutheran church, in the Presbyterian church, and, and you begin to wonder, Lord, who has the truth? Where, where is the balance in all of this? Where do we, we enter into the realm of revelation and where do we enter into a, a discerning where we separate what is valid from God and what is tradition of man? That is our difficulty. That's why we enter the realm of God through revelation. We enter into the realm of God. We must have an open heart and we must allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth. Remember last night I told you that the Holy Spirit will do two things. He will teach you truth and He will guide you into truth. We need guidance in the truth because some of the things that He wants to say are difficult to embrace. And we need, we need to be taught truth because some things we find easy to embrace. Okay, I believe that. I want to hang on to that. But then somebody says something contrary 
to the traditions that we've grown up with and we have difficulties and we struggle. Uh, we've gone, fortunately, in the kingdom of God, we've had some growth and development. It's nice when you have growth and development. It, it's nice when you get to be, uh, you know, 20 years old in the Lord and nobody has to change your spiritual diaper. You know, you, you, you can take care of yourself, you know. But it's terrible when you got 20 years in the Lord and you still have to have somebody change your spiritual diapers. And there's this tension that, that, that's going on. And God is trying to communicate to us. And so as he's communicating, he is going to confront some things in us. I, I'm getting... I'm getting ready to treat, teach on the, uh, on the book of Hosea. In fact, I may, do, I may do that next weekend. And I guarantee you that I'm going to say some things that are going to be difficult for some people to, to embrace as I, I begin to read through the book of Hosea and to understand some revelations from the Father. I said, Father, you don't want me to say, ah, no, no, no. That'll get me in trouble. You know, I say, oh, Holy Spirit, have a break. You know, uh, you know this is what I do for a living, Jesus. You know? No, no open doors. What are, you know? What do you do? You know, live by revelation, <laughs> live by understanding. And so, first of all, we must accept the fact that there is revelation, Amen. and that, in fact, in the book of Hebrews, he said, in former times, he spoke through the prophets. In many fashions and in many forms. But in these last days, he has chosen to speak to us through his son. Now the question must be asked, how does he speak through his son? It is through his Holy Spirit that has come into his church. He is the head, we are the body, therefore we are the voice of God on the face of the earth. Are you still with me? And so he's speaking through his son. The, the church is, in the eyes of God, that's his son. That's the body. He said, I, Jesus is the head and we are the body. We make up this, this son of God uh, in, in the spiritual realm. We know that there's Jesus and we're never going to be Jesus. But we also know that he's the head and we're the body. And there's, there's functions that the body has that are necessary in order to change history as we know it right now. Our, our nation... Nations of the earth are in trouble because the body of Christ has not assumed its rightful authority and position in human history. Because we've been fighting with one another. We're too busy playing religion. And not enough time really understanding what God wants us to do in any one given area as he gives us revelation. How many know that there is a revelation from God for what Gloucester, Hollister, this little region right here? How many know that God has a specific revelation that will only work in Gloucester and Hollister? It won't work in Athens. It won't work in Little Hawking. It won't work in Columbus. But there is a specific revelation that God has that will show the spiritual leaders of Gloucester and Hollister how to literally transform these two little communities. Now the question I always like to ask when I meet with, with leaders and spiritual leaders is this. When was the last time you asked God for the revelation on how to reach your community? Not just, Lord, bless my church and let my church grow and bless our people and meet their needs. But Father, show me what is your heart for Gloucester? What is your heart for Hollister? That's different than playing God, you know, bless our church and let it grow and let it expand. And what, what next thing can we do to try to gather people in? Because see, when you have the heart of the Father, the Father will reveal to you how to effectively transform this community and this little region right here. So it'll be like a heaven on earth, if you will. Glory will come. The presence of God will come. The environment will change. The government will change. The, the natural things, the spiritual thing, everything around you will change. Because now you have the revelation of the Father on how to bring true transformation into this area. Hello? Yeah. Now, 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 now. We, we accept the fact that there is revelation. Paul struggled with that. So much so 
that sometimes we do religious things because we don't want to embrace, embrace the right thing. It's easier to do religious things than to embrace the right thing. Because then we can excuse ourselves as doing the work of God. Because Paul said, and I thought that I was doing the work of God. In killing all his folks. <laughs> I mean, there are religions in the world now. Who feel that if they kill everybody else, they're doing what? The work of God. You know, and unfortunately, in history, guess what? There was even a time when those who called themselves Christians who went around killing other people in the name of Jesus because they felt they were doing the work of God. So our history is not a good history. <laughs> if we really want to look at it. You know, so I, I think so we have to come at it from a realistic point of view. There's going to be that confrontation. And so it took God knocking this man down to a level where he could speak to him. Sometimes in order for revelation to come to you and revelation to come to me, God has to knock us down off our, our, our horse of pride. Our horses of arrogance. Our horses of know-it-all. And God takes the horse out from under us, <laughs> knocks us down, and then we're in trouble. Now, now, now watch. Number two, and I'll give you these as, as quickly as I can. I promise to get done before Tuesday morning. <laughs> That's because i got to drive home tomorrow night after here. <laughs> Number two, Revelation is deeper than we think. Revelation is deeper than we think. Remember the, the, the verse, and in fact, turn there a moment again to that verse because it's a significant verse. 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. I like that verse because it helps me to communicate to my brothers in the kingdom of God who feel they are the only ones with a special revelation from God that they don't know like they're going to know. 1 Corinthians the 8th chapter. In fact, let's, start, let's read verse 1 and 2. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. If you think that being right is more important than demonstrating love and compassion, then you have missed it. If you're not right with love, speak the truth in what? Love. You can speak truth and destroy. You can speak truth with love and build up. The choice is clearly yours. Now watch verse 2. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, and the Greek word for know there is the word gnosis which we can translate as unfolding revelation. Line upon line, truth upon truth. If anybody, in other words, thinks that he has received revelation, some truth from God, he says, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, <laughs> you know you get some smart Alex? He said, if you know, he said, he knows nothing. <laughs> I like the Apostle Paul. I mean, he just, he said, you think, you're, you, think you know something? He said, you really don't know nothing. You know, that's true. <laughs> and notice what he says. Yet, he said, he doesn't know nothing yet as he ought to know. In other words, what you know, there's a deeper realm to what you know. There is a realm of knowing from of what you know that's deeper than what you have presently embraced. That's why in 2 Corinthians says we're being changed from what? From glory to glory. From glory to glory. From glory because it's going to take that kind of change within us in order to get us to Think like him and, and act like him and be like him. Because in Ephesians 4, he says, Therefore be ye an imitator of the living God. And, and, and the Greek word is mimeo. Or our English word would be to mimic. 
And you can translate it, therefore be a mimicker of God or do just like God does. Act just like God. Now for some people that's blasphemous. But for God, is it that's my kids. I expect my kids to act like me. I expect my kids to have my character. I expect my kids to have something of what I have put in them when they were growing up. So as they get older, somebody will say, oh, you're a Perez kid. You look just like your mother. You look just like your father. You look just like your grandfather. That's just the way your grandfather used to do it. That's just the way your father used to do it. That's just, and they identify you with your lineage. Paul says that God wants us to identify with our lineage. That makes us dangerous. We won't go into all of that this evening because... We don't have time for, <laughs> for, for, for all of that. But, but I think you get the point. So we really don't know. Like we need to know what we know. Uh, our brother can get on those bulldozers and whatever and do all that stuff. And he's working on the rest. And he's a certain amount of knowledge. But even as he was telling me last night, he walks... This whole com company, the railroad thing, you know, one day they were pushing, trying to push stuff through, and, and they couldn't hardly get it through. Come on the job a couple of days, and months later, years later, and they're snatching that stuff out of there, <laughs> sucking that stuff up out of there, you know. That's what amazes me about this whole, in the middle of the gut, as intelligent as we are, that we haven't quite figured out how to stop the thing. Hello? All these scientists and all these engineers, and nobody knows how to. <laughs> we need a kid with, to put a slum in the dike. <laughs> and somebody that nobody expects is going to come up with an answer. They're going to say, ah, oh, I was there all the time. Yeah, it was there. See, it's there all the time. There is. He, Ecclesiastes says, there is nothing new under the sun. Everything that is has been. Because we think we're getting smarter. And in one degree, Daniel says, knowledge is increasing. But that doesn't mean we're getting smarter. That just means that information is coming us that's bypassing us. Ask some of the grandmas how much algebra and trigonometry they understand. They look at you like, what? I ain't going to school that. They were doing just numbers when I was in school, you know? Now the kids come home and they got all these calculus things and all these rulers and all that stuff. And, you know, and you go to grandma, grandma said, go ask your mother. <laughs> you know, go ask your teacher, go ask somebody else. Don't ask me, I don't know nothing about that. At least she's smart enough to know she don't know nothing about that realm. Because that's not the realm she came up under. Now, what's amazing to me is that in the body of Christ, we got spiritual smart alecks. Are you with me? Yeah. And, and, and it seems like they want to always have an answer for everything. And you tell them something, and even before you got through with your thought, they're already trying to give you a solution. And they didn't even hear the whole problem. You know, and we have a lot of them in the kingdom of God who are not communicating the heart of God. They're communicating their own selfishness and their own soulish revelations. Oh, Lord, help me. Now, it's deeper than we think. The psalmist said deep calls to what? To deep. There is a realm in you that you haven't even discovered. It is what they call, Isaiah calls the wells of salvation, rolling up out of you, Jesus said out of your belly, shall flow what? Rivers, multiple rivers, not just one stream, multiple streams that would flow out of you, streams of revelation that would continue to communicate to you what you needed in every given situation in order to get in there. And there are 
there, there are such depths in God that he wants us to seek after. He wants us to be hungry for. There are things to be known in the realm of God that are actually so dangerous. You know, you can get so deep that God has to put a fence around you. What did Paul say? So my revelation in God was so deep. Heavens. He said that there was given unto me. Now I know there's a lot of controversy in the kingdom of God about this thorn thing. But I'm not interested in the controversy. I'm interested in the fact that God had to act to keep this man in the realm of human. Catherine Coleman died of a heart attack. She died of a heart attack. That's how she died. Some of the other ones that we've known, great men, men, of, men of God, but you know, uh, I, I happened to be at a meeting once with one of the great, great men of God, and, and, and he, he was not permitted to go out at night. He could come out in the daytime. There was something about nighttime, daytime that affected him. He died in his late 90s. Mighty warrior of God. But he could only function in the daytime. See, sometimes what we, what, we, what we do in the kingdom of God is actually destroy our warriors, those that are receiving revelations from God, because we raise them to such pedestals that we cannot see their humanity. We don't want to see their humanity. We just want to see them as spiritual giants. Then kick them if they don't own up. Tell it now. Our image of them. Yeah. If they, and if they mess up our image of them, we get all upset. That's why everybody's talking about this minister doing this and that minister doing that. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> when I when I was studying the word of the Lord in the in the in the book of uh, Hosea, one of the things God said to me, He said, "I am going to rip back the blanket." of the spiritual leaders in the kingdom of God and expose them. Ooh, you don't want me to say that, Jesus. He said, oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. He said, you watch me do it. We've begun to see little by little. And we haven't seen anything. Because God is going to have a body without spot and without wrinkle. And in order to get rid of the spot and the wrinkle, that means he's got to deal with the spots and the wrinkles. And we don't want to, nobody messing with our spots and wrinkles. <laughs> you know, we cover them up with a jacket <laughs> or whatever, you know. We put on a wrinkled shirt, get on a jacket. Nobody, nobody knows what's underneath, you know, except the Lord. Now, so number one, it, there is a realm. Number two, it's deeper than we think. Number three, we have got to get hungry to search it out. That's right. Amen. Now, when God is dealing with Paul, it's a process. What does he say? Uh, verse 15, Galatians chapter 1. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. In other words, there's a calling from the Father. At some point in your history, your calling has to catch up with you. So that Father God begins to implement the calling. It is one thing to be called. It is another thing to begin to implement that calling. It is one thing to enter college, to study, to be an engineer. It's another thing to graduate and get the degree and go out and do what you have trained for. And so, so, so Paul says, I separate. He says, somehow, after I came into the revelation, God showed me that my choice of what I was going to be was not determined by me. It was determined by Almighty God and His sovereignty. 
From my mother's womb, he called me. In other words, I had a spiritual destiny. I didn't fully understand it. Sometimes I didn't cooperate with it. But finally came the confrontation. Now watch. Verse 16. To reveal his son in me. That's the priority revelation. It's not whether God revealed to you what your neighbor is going to do next week. The priority revelation is to reveal Christ in you. In fact, I had a teaching that I did. It's called Dokimazo, self-confrontation. What do you find when you keep searching within yourself? The end of that, according to Philippians and Colossians, it said you should find Christ in you. When you get past all that feeling bad, sad, bad about yourself and all that other crazy shame, guilt stuff. When you get past all of that and you keep looking, the, you should end up face to face with King Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said to reveal Christ in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now watch. When God begins, when you're searching out for this thing and, you, and you're going after it and you're chasing it with all of your mind. Many times in order for you to fully embrace it, you have to separate yourself from everything else. He said, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. In other words, I didn't necessarily go to find out if everybody was going to agree with me. Some of you know that feeling. <laughs> you go tell, you thought everybody was going to be excited when you got full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you thought everybody was going to get excited when you got saved. You're lucky they didn't change the locks on you. <laughs> you know, some people get mad, boy. I mean, they just, uh, you know, in some communities, they really get mad. Ask some of our kids that have been converted in the Philippines from uh, from Islam and the Christianity. They've been completely cut off from their families. Sure. And, and the body of Christ has become their family. Uh-huh. And we, we, don't, we don't quite understand that fully in our country, but some changes may be coming. Are you with me? Now he said, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went where? into Arabia and return again from the master. The process was what? I was confronted by revelation. When I was confronted by revelation, because of all of my training and everything that I learned and all of my tradition, I I needed not to go to those who were going to reinforce my tradition. I needed to have some space. I needed some wilderness time. We don't like wilderness time. And in the wilderness, when you get your wilderness time, God will search you out. If he can get you to accept the fact, here's revelation coming to you. You don't quite fully understand what it's about, so it means some wilderness time. (laughs) Some isolated time. Ask Moses. Forty years on the backside of the desert, stinking like sheep, talking like sheep, acting like sheep, lost all desire to receive any revelation. God said, Now I got you. Because now I emptied you of all that you were, Moses. Because when you said Moses, you said the next leader of Egypt. Now, when he says Moses, He finds a broken man happy to be under the ministry of his father-in-law, tending sheep. Making a good deacon. (laughs) You don't want me no leader. Let me be a deacon, you know. I'll be be a good deacon. Let me take care of some sheep. And in that environment, God can talk to him. It's interesting to me that God, remember the account where Jesus comes on the scene over the mountain, gets baptized in water. Luke, the fourth chapter, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. 
And as in the heavens are open and the voice of God, I mean, you talk about revelation. Thou art my beloved, this is my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. He's hearing the direct voice of God affirming him. This is who you are. Don't you believe anything else anybody else says, this is who you are. He needed that because for the next two years, he was going to be called less than that. He was going to be called all kinds of nasty names. That's why the Bible constantly says, and his mother pondered these things. She pondered these things and pondered these things and wondered what, what, what was going on. But now watch. The Spirit of God what came upon him and what was the next thing that happened? And he was led by the Spirit of the Lord where? Into the wilderness. Grab the connection. Holy Ghost anointing wilderness. <laughs> Before there is release to go and do what you've been commissioned. There's going to be wilderness. Because in the wilderness, you're going to get straightened out in your theology. You're going to get straightened out in what you believe. And when he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights, and the wild beasts were there, and the angels came and ministered to him according to Mark, and he was confronted by the evil one, what was his response? This is what God says. 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 Do you understand, devil? This is what God says. What he believed was put to the test. How many of you know that you can, thank you, my brother, you can, you can believe something and then you can believe something. Yes. <laughs> you, can, you can know something up here but it's not until you have to act that out. Is that you, Jesus? It's me, Peter. If that's you, see, we get real, we get real smart alecky. Like, and it, this ain't never gonna happen, so I don't have to worry about it. If that's you, you tell me, come out on the water. Yeah, I'll outsmart you, Jesus. <laughs> he wasn't planning on Jesus saying, "Come." And before he could, I mean, the words were so arresting, come, that before he could think that he couldn't do it, he did it. And then he got out there and said, oh, Lord, yeah, I'm sinking. Came back to his senses and said, you know, I'm not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> you know, this is, but you notice that Jesus did not carry him back. Jesus lifted him up and he had to walk back. And exercise his faith. Jesus did not carry, lift him up and say, well, I'll carry you, Peter, back to the ship. No, you get up from there, we're walking back the same way you walked out. Because no matter what kind of slippery place you may be at any one given time, the Father will give you the revelation to get up and walk back into the journey of faith. There is this, he said, and so, so, so while we are searching out, trying to sort out, God is searching after us. And when he gets done in our wilderness time, straightening out our revelation. How many testimonies haven't you read of brothers in the kingdom of God who were going one way and they had a confrontation with the Holy Ghost and it changed their lives. And people tell them, well, you can't believe that, that's the devil. You know... I met one minister, he told me, my ministry in the kingdom of God is to talk Pentecostal preachers out of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because he said it's nonsense. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? He said, and if you just give me a chance, said, I'll talk to you out of that thing you call tongues. I said, you're too late. <laughs> You, you, you're just too late, man. You know, I already do that. I practice it. makes me strong. I've gone all over the world teaching it. I'm having the greatest time of my life. He called me a heretic and walked off. So God, in this wilderness time, wants to bring us into the realm of 1 Corinthians 8. What you know, you don't know, but I'm going to teach you what you know at a different level. 
That's what makes us dangerous. That's what makes us have to understand the treasure of revelation that lies within us. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me speak to that a moment. Because I think it's important. Remember the text that I said? What? Deep? What? Cries after deep. Maybe sometime I can... I did a whole entire teaching on, on this whole concept of deep. And the deep that is in you. You know, you know the, from the Old Testament, there, there are hundreds of scriptures that address the deep that is in you. I know because I've read them all. <laughs> you know, went into the New Testament. And finally you end up in 2 Corinthians. He says, and there is an earthen vessel. But the vessel cannot give forth its fragrance till it's broken. Till it's opened up. And it's in the opening up. That's the most painful part. The exposing of self. Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to prophesy? Why do you want to walk in the realm of knowledge? Why do you want to walk in the gift of healing? See, God has to straighten all of that out within the us and the body of Christ individually and collectively before He can release us to the fullest anointing. Because we see little trickles and we get excited. That's what He says in Hebrews. He said in, in the book of Hebrews, everything that we have seen right now is just a taste of the things that are yet to come. And I'm thinking, God, if this is a taste, I like it. I want more. If there's a realm greater than my, than my, I mean, I've seen all kinds of miraculous stuff. I've seen incredible things happen. I like what I've seen. It has convinced me that God is a reality and that he wants to work. And yet God said, that's just a little taste. That ain't, I mean, you, 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 you think you've you seen this and you've seen that, but that's just a little tape. Let me bring you into the fullness of revelation. I was preaching in Brazil in one of the largest churches in the world. 70,000 people a week go to church there. 10,000 every day, seven days a week. Four services every day. How'd you like to be on that pastoral team? And the pastor apologized to me the night I was there, they only had 250 members in the choir. And he said, I apologize. We usually have about, you know, anywhere about a thousand people in the choir, but I don't know where they all gone tonight, you know. Uh, maybe they, they need you as coming or something, you know. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I can tell you about that. I can tell you many times uh, about that, but I won't go there tonight. That's <laughs> so I'm preaching. Now, I've seen incredible things in my lifetime. But God is about to bring me into a revelation that has, from that moment on, made me so hungry for that realm. I'm giving an altar call. I'm calling for people that are demonized to come. 250 demonized people. Crawling like snakes on the floor, barking like dogs, and cucking like chickens, and, and your tongue's hanging out three miles long, and, and just all this is going on. I'm trying to give an altar call. And I'm thinking, ah, what do we do next? He said, it's very easy. Just call on my name and command it to go and watch. And so I pray. By the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to leave now. And when I said now, I was caught up in the heaven. Now you got to understand what it's like up here. And you're looking down there. And you're watching these demonized people get delivered from demons. All in a 30 second prayer. And I said to God, I don't want to go back there. I want to stay up here. He said, he said, the work is down there. It's not up here. Get to work down there. You don't work up here. But it was, to me, I wrote it in my journal. In fact, I, I wrote a note to my wife, and I wrote it in my journal, and often I go to my journal, and I read it again and again. I said, wow. 
There is a realm of revelation that we could not imagine. Paul wrote about it when he said, I was caught up into the heavens of God. And I saw things, listen, he said, I saw things that Father God forbade me to ever speak on the face of the earth. What did he see? That God would have to command him, and not only did God command him never to talk about them, but God built a human hedge around him, which we've come to know as the farm. And like I said, there can be argument about what that was, but the issue isn't what it was. The issue was that it was Father permitted. And it seemed to be the only thing that could hold this man in check. Think about it. Of all the things Father God could have said to him, nah, 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 this one little thing kept him in check all of his history. So the deeper you get into Revelation, because see, oh Lord. See, see, the deeper you search after to know him and to understand him and to understand his realm and to speak to your community, because see, we have got to stop Proper line to one another. That's good. Yes. That's good. I find nowhere in the Old Testament or New Testament when prophets spoke individually to individuals, but I find hundreds of examples when prophets spoke to leaders of nations. When prophets spoke to the church. Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, unto the work where I have. But I have never, 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 uh, you know, see where, where prophets are directly coming to somebody out of nowhere and say, this is a word from the Lord for you. It's rare. We have made it commonplace. Now, right now, I'm doing some study and I'm getting ready this year to do some teaching on uh, making some, bringing back common sense to the prophetic. Let's have some common sense with the prophetic. I've said it, and I want to say it in, in passing. I've said it often, and I have this conversation with, with our dear brother, Prophet Forte. I said, listen, the body of Christ is killing the prophets in the body of Christ. Because they are demanding that the prophets perform. Every time they come to the house, perform, perform. I don't want to preach. I don't want you to, I don't want to worship. I want a word. I want a word. I want a word. They don't pay attention to the worship. They have no interest in the teaching of the word of God. I want a word. I want a word. I want a word. Well, I got a word for you. 66 books, long study it, get it in your heart, get it in your spirit. If God has to give you a word, why can't he speak to you directly? Are you so immature that you can't receive a direct word from the Father? Because Father will first speak to you and confirm through the prophet. But if every time we come and the prophet comes to the house, everybody's dependent, running up the lines of forever. We wear them out and we get them into soulless revelation and they cease to function in the power of the Holy Spirit and they start functioning out of their soul and it's not a revelation from God, it's a revelation that will bring destruction and depression. I said all of that, didn't I? Amen. And so I plead with the body of Christ. I plead with the prophets because prophets are being manipulated. Now, God said, what's wrong with the revelation in you? What's wrong with the treasure in you? There's stuff inside of you. Go over to 1 Corinthians 14, and, I'm, and I'll be done. Tomorrow's Sunday, and we all have a long day, and uh, we want all rest, especially our lady pastor. She's been at it all day. <laughs> and, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Now, we, we talk about we want to be like the New Testament. And we heard, you heard that a lot? Yeah. We have no clue what that means. <laughs> we want to be like the New Testament church in the book of Acts. Okay, we'll martyr some of you. We'll chop the heads of some of you. 
We'll drag some of you off to prison. You still want to be there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, the story changes when you look at the consequences. Sell your property, bring the money in. The yeah, man. You know, everybody come and, and bring your stuff and let's share it. You sell it, John. <laughs> listen, listen. 1 Corinthians 14, 28. How is it then, brethren? Paul's talking to the church. Whenever you come together, which is a miracle, <laughs> each one of you, each one of you has a what? A psalm. Has a what? Teaching. Has a what? Tongue. Has a revelation. A truth that the body of Christ needs in order to get stronger. Has an interpretation. Let all things be done for the edification. Where does all of that come from? From the treasure that is in you. From the deep that's in you. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal. In fact, concerning the gift of prophecy, what does he say? If a heathen comes among you. And the prophets begin to speak. And the prophets declare the sin that is in the heart of the heathen. Let the heathen repent. So it gives us some direction. God wants to talk, especially when the heathen are there. And sometimes the heathen may not like <laughs> what the spiritual ones may say. Because it will be an exposure. Haven't you preached sometimes or, or taught someone or, or somebody here has said something and somebody said, man, you're up my street. Who told you that? How did you go? Some of you know Harry Wingler. Harry Wingler came to preach in Michigan for the church I was pastoring once and we went in to visit this dear sister that just recently died. And, and when he walked in, he looked at her. He said, yesterday. Well, I have. See, he said, yesterday... And he told her what kind of clothes she was wearing. She said, you were standing by the sink. And you were debating within yourself. This guy that's coming from Ohio, is he really a prophet? Or is that just a whole bunch of talk? And he told her exactly what she said. Sure. And she broke down and started crying. She said, I believe. Isn't that wonderful? I believe. Yeah. See, now she needed that yeah. in order to confirm to her that there are prophets. Not so much that Harry could move in the prophetic, but that there are prophets, and she was a part of that meeting, and God touched her life. And so we have this, this treasure that is within us. What is wrong with us breaking open our alabaster boxes? We are full. We are full. Full. We are full. But see, the secret is like the woman who broke her alabaster box at the feet of Jesus. you got to understand the whole story. When she broke that box, she gave up one dimension of her life to enter into another dimension of her life. Because everything in that box she had earned in her former profession as a prostitute. She used the oil to lure the man. Now she was saying, I don't need to lure anybody. I'm not going to need this expensive perfume. And so I pour it upon your feet, King Jesus, on your head. In other words, she's saying, I pour out my life before you. Because you're the only one that can save me. You're the only one that really knows what's in my heart. You're the only one that can tell me. What's inside of me? I knew you. Nathaniel said, how did you know me? He said, oh, I saw you up under the tree, man. I knew you was there. One of the great, one of the great prophetic men who unfortunately got into a bit of error and God had to remove him off the face of the earth a few years early. <laughs> Tells of Sitting, some going to pray for people. And before he would pray for people, God would give him an open vision. And in the open vision, he was shown this chair was here, and that couch was there, and this is the amount of people that are going to be there when you pray for this miracle. 
And sometimes he would go to the houses of these people. And people said, well, when are you going to pray? He said, we just got to wait till everything is just the way God showed me. And then the people would show up sometimes hours later. And the people were impatient. You know, you got to pray. We got to do. No, no, we got to wait. And the moment everything was like the vision he received, he got up, laid his hands on the sick, and they were instantly healed. Obedience to the revelation. Obedience to the revelation. Obedience to the truth that lies within you. Obedience to that inner voice that's talking to you. Saying, go here, don't go there. I was in Brazil. We were in the, almost to the border of Uruguay. We were like 1,500, 1,800 miles from Rio de Janeiro. I mean, it was a long way. We were, way, we were getting ready to, to board a plane and go into the deep jungle, one of those bush plains, you know. And the Holy Ghost said to us, interpreting myself, do not buy tickets for this plane, but return immediately to Rio de Janeiro and to Terrazapolis. We think that's a strange thing. We got these meetings already set in the deep jungle and they're ready, but we want to obey the Holy Ghost. And so we drove all those thousands of miles. I mean, we were just worn out. I, I got inside the house where I was staying. I put my suitcase down and the telephone rang. And it was my wife. And I picked it up and she explained to me what was happening that that particular time. I had gone to Brazil. People made promises to help my family, but they didn't do what they said they were going to do. So now my family was absolutely broke in the United States, and I was in a foreign country. And guess what I did? I got on a plane and came home. And I had a lot of Brazilians mad at me. No, we got this crusade. You got that. I said, listen, I'm going to take care of my family. But think about it. I'm way down here in the middle of nowhere, and the Holy Spirit sends me 1,800 miles back, and the moment I walk in, phone rings. That's not chance, that's revelation. And I think God is going to bring us to a realm of revelation that is going to astonish us. He's going to bring us to a realm where we're going to be <clears throat> we're going to be mystical, but we're going to be practical. In the past, we've been mystical, but not practical. We all want to be deep. We want to be deep. You know, we, we, had, we had no idea what deep meant. We thought deep meant the 39 plank in the tabernacle over by the, can, by the candle on the back side of the wall. We thought that was deep. And we went to all of them. People teaching on the tabernacle. We went, oh, that's boy, brother, deep. He's going to teach Revelation. He's going to talk about the beast. And we thought that was deep. Deep is love thy neighbor, as I said. And that's deep. Especially if your neighbor's nasty. <laughs> and treats you bad. Throws his garbage in your yard. Now you got to live deep. <laughs> now, now you got to live at a different realm. Now you got to live the realm of Revelation. What will it take? To reach the heart of that angry man, that angry woman, that angry child. I was preaching in Wisconsin. And outside the window was this little Indian boy. Mean as can be. He was in the habit of throwing rocks at, at breaking the church windows while they were having church. He'd come by there with his little gang and just every Sunday night just mess with everything. But this Sunday night, I was sharing my testimony how God delivered me from addiction and no rocks at the windows somebody thought well maybe he forgot to come or you know what you know what happened to that little boy he started hearing what I was saying the spirit of conviction gripped him he stood against the window and listened to the whole sermon when I gave the altar call he came in and around came through the front door came down to the altar gave his heart to Jesus the spirit of revelation grabbed it. I had no clue what was going on out there. See, we've got to start being spiritual smart, Alex, thinking we have to know everything that's going on. 
We just have to do what God commanded us. Preach the gospel. Tell it. In truth, walk in the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Pray for an anointing of revelation to touch lives. And we've got to get outside of ourselves and start realizing that we have a word. You have a word for Gloucester and Hollister. You have a word. For, you'd be surprised how many people you will startle. Like Robert Tom and I sitting in Parkersburg at Fisher's Big Boy. Sitting there, the waitress comes over. We're eating. And Robert says, your husband just left you. I mean, you know this lady? We're sitting there having love. He said, your husband just left you. Amen. You had this big fight. And he said, he's never coming back. And he wanted a divorce. He said, but I'm here to tell you that by the time I come back here Sunday, this was on a, a Friday. When I come back Sunday, you're going to be here. I'm going to eat here. You're going to run up to me and tell me your husband came back home. He went to church Sunday morning. He gave his heart to Jesus. And you're going to tell me all about it Sunday morning. That revelation. So what happened? This lady came that Sunday afternoon when we went in. She came running up there, running her happy as could be. Oh, Mister, I don't know who you are. <laughs> but just like you said, just like you said, my husband came home. He went to church with me this morning. He got saved, and I'm, I'm so happy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Revelation, because revelation doesn't only work in the house. We think that revelation only works in the house. That a word of knowledge only works in the house. That a word of wisdom only works in the house. The, the gifts of God operate out in the field. Go and harvest the field. That's one of the best ways to harvest the field. To get in the middle of a whole bunch of heathen and start giving them revelation. Hearing the heart. Seeing and feeling what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And I want to pray for you this evening that God would open up your heart. That's my prayer for you tonight. That he would open up your heart and your understanding. That he would give you a revelation on the revelation. Because we can hear a lot of stuff and, and, and know things. But my desire is that you know like you've never known before. Somehow break over so that it breaks into your world. Early this morning, or most of the morning as I was laying and just praying and thinking, God, so many things that are going on, what do you want me to do? And I heard the clear voice of God said, I just want you to wait on me and love on me. He says, I know you got all this stuff going through and demands on your life. He said, but those aren't as important as just waiting upon me and being of good courage. He said, and I will strengthen your heart. Because it's so, so easy to look around. Oh, more gray hairs. You got more gray hairs? Cut it all off, then you won't notice them. <laughs> but I want to pray that, that, that the spirit of a revelation would just come into your spirit. And God would begin to open the scriptures for you like never before. So every time you open to the pages of this word, you go, wow. God, are you really saying that? And you understand that, yes. And then you know what God is going to do to you? He's going to say, come. And before you think about it, you're going to take that leap out of that boat you've been in and start walking on the water of faith. And you're going to come to this house and you're going to report, wow, I don't want God to hear. This is what God showed me. This is what happened when we did what the Father commanded us. Father, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, as we are gathered here this evening, in your presence, in your holy place, like no other place. We long to be with you. We long to be with you. In your holy place. I ask you now Holy Spirit. Because you are a spirit that will guide us. Into all truth. 
You are a spirit that will teach us all truth. And God, you promise in the word that in the last days you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Male flesh, women flesh, children flesh, teenager flesh, young couple flesh, older couple flesh. Father, you would pour out your spirit upon the most incredible people that we cannot imagine that you would touch their lives. And so I ask you to fulfill your word. And as I stand here before these people tonight, I ask you, Father, now, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would begin to stir up a spirit of revelation within them. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. Open up their understanding that like Solomon, you would give them a hearing heart to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that they may hear and obey. That they would cry out as the writer of the Proverbs cried out, Wisdom, you are my sister. Understanding, you are my intimate friend. Wisdom, you are my sister. Understanding, you are my intimate friend. Wisdom, you are my sister. Understanding, you are my intimate friend. Spirit of revelation, spirit of the living God, most holy one, come now and touch our lives. Heal our bodies, heal our mind, heal our spirits. Encourage us, drive from us everything that doesn't belong. Let the word of God, the anointing, destroy every yoke contrary to the revelation of the Holy Spirit that you desire to give to us, Lord. Hallelujah! We accept your revelation, Lord. We accept your truth, Lord. We expect what you... We, we accept what you want to do in us. That we may please you in every aspect of our lives. You said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. And so now by faith we ask. We ask, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom and understanding in the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would reveal Christ in us. Reveal Christ in us. Reveal Christ in us. Reveal Christ in us. Yes. Reveal Christ in us. So it is not I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That we may know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. Make made conformable unto your death. That we may be like you. Oh, that we may be like you. We want to be like you. And we may behold your face in the mirror. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then we shall see face to face. Face to face. That's how we want to know you, Lord, face to face. That's how we want to love you, Lord, face to face. For there is no other face like your face. We want to know that lovely face. Thank you, Lord. Come on, thank Him right now. Thank Him that the spirit of revelation is working in your life. Thank Him that an anointing is breaking loose inside of your spirit. That something, a revolution, that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water.